0: Okay and welcome back to what I've been told is episode 8 of Dynasty Kings. I'm Luke and the Alabama swinger is Kyle. Today we're talking my favorite football positions, tight ends. You say it like Gold member from Austin Powers tight ends. But uh, before we get into that some, uh, breaking news from the football universe. Uh, the football gods were like, hey, there's nothing going on. Let's spice up your life with some idiot some idiot plays. Let's call these Rex Ryan plays. Uh, and, um, last week, you know the song, uh, I think we're alone now, Kyle, from the 80s, you know, yeah. I think we're alone now.
1: Yeah, I know this song. I know it.
0: Yeah. So, uh. So Earl Thomas and his brother thought they were alone with a bunch of random hoes, Uh, and it turns out they weren't because Earl Thomas' wife was there with a gun, proving, in fact, that song is incorrect. Kyle, why don't you give us your take on what happened?
1: Uh, It's just a bad look overall, man. (laughs) Earl Thomas, first of all, I mean, a little weird. I mean, sleeping with hoes with your brother, I'm not really sure how that falls. There's definitely some Pornhub categories underneath that. Uh, He can definitely (laughs) find a a job just like Big Stan, you know, like we talked about last episode. But, uh, you know, overall, it's just not a good look for anybody. You you know, dirty laundry's out there now. The league's going to blow it up, and... Hopefully it passes. I don't know what you do about the situation. Um, It's not really offensible by the league. You know what I mean? Like, so his wife might get in legal trouble, but I don't think Earl's going to want to press any charges. So I think it's going to go away, but it's just a funny situation. Well,
0: it's interesting that you say that because uh, when it happened, the Ravens looked into his contract to see if he had done anything that would allow them to cut him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, interesting stuff out of Harborough land, Harbaugh land, Harbaugh, <laughs> uh, y- you know, so it- it's interesting to see what uh, happens next, but you know what thoughts and prayers to Earl Thomas's penis and his dignity uh, after his wife basically cuckolded him and his brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but let's get, let's get back into what we're here to talk about. And that's our toy ends. And uh, I think we got to get us started off with our sleeper picks, you know, in a league, where there's only a, a handful of really star caliber tight ends, it's good to know where you can find hidden gems that you normally wouldn't find. So Kyle, why don't you hit us with your first sleeper?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so this is our only rookie we will be talking about as far as tight ends go. We might mention one or two in passing, but this is the only one that we're highlighting in deep. And that rookie is thaddeus moss and as i've said it on previous episodes before opportunity is king in fantasy and moss steps in Perhaps the biggest opportunity out of any rookie tight end. I like Kemp's uh, situation in Chicago, but obviously Jimmy Graham's in front of him, which maybe long term is a good thing for him, but obviously it doesn't compare to what Moss is stepping into, which is a Washington offense, which is in desperate need of a legitimate tight end since Jordan Reed literally can't even see straight anymore. Um, he's got, yeah, and you know what? And I get it, like people are going to say, oh, You're just saying him because he's Randy Moss's son. And that's not really it, dude. He had some big plays in college. He was great in the championship game. Um, I'm pretty sure he had two uh, touchdowns during that game. And the fact that he didn't get drafted and went on to sign as an undrafted free agent just kind of blew my mind in general, just based off name alone. I think he enters in a prime opportunity to start day one, man
0: yeah i like thaddeus moss he's not my favorite rookie tight end my favorite rookie tight end is commit yep uh you know i've said it before it, i think it's good that he's behind graham it's gonna give him time to grow but if you're looking for an instant opportunity rookie starter a guy you're probably gonna get late in your rookie drafts so you can probably get him in the fourth to fifth round yep is mm-hmm. thaddeus moss i think there is a point to be made however if he wasn't the son of one of the greatest receivers of all time, would we still be talking about him? Who knows, but that's not the that's not the situation we're in. You know coming out of college it it was easy enough to say that he was the best run blocker out of all the tight ends. I think he has perfect cushiony hands to catch balls with a nice catch radius. <laughs> And I think he couldn't have fallen into a better situation than he did at the Redskins because he's in a situation where he's only ever actually played two seasons of college football. And in one of them, he only played five games. In the other, he only played 12. So this is his probably only opportunity to prove that he belongs at that next level.
1: Yeah. And it's important to note, too, man, in those 12 games, man, he had like five, 570 yards and four touchdowns. Now, that doesn't sound like insanity compared to wide receivers, but for tight ends in college, those are really damn good numbers. Like, that's, that's, that's not something to laugh about, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, obviously, he was on a loaded LSU team, but I just think opportunity at the end of the day is key, and that's what really matters here.
0: Yeah, and you know, while we're on the topic of opportunity, I want to talk about a guy who really took a handle on the opportunity given to him because of an injury from weeks 12 to 17, and that's Caden Smith, the tight end for the New York Giants. So, when Evan Ingram, the guy who everybody thought was going to be a huge superstar, you know, unsurprisingly gets injured again, Caden Smith steps in, and between weeks 12 to 17, looked like he had starting tight end talent. He flashed it a lot. He had one game for 70 yards on six receptions, one game for 98 yards on eight receptions. He looked great. He really flashed big play potential. The thing is, is Evan Ingram's already been talked about being shopped around. So it clearly doesn't matter if they shop around because I'm sure they feel confident with the 22-year-old backing him up it really makes Evan Ingram expendable. And he's only 22, so it helps a super young Giants core get younger.
1: Yeah, I think Ingram, and I'm going to deep dive on Ingram later on, uh, so I don't want to you know, go too hard on him right now. But I agree with your sentiment about him being expendable. And I like Caden Smith and I like the price you can get him at right now. You can get him really late in drafts uh, in startups for basically dirt cheap. And even if you, you know, let's say you do draft Evan Ingram, just get Smith as a handcuff at the end of the day, no matter what. Um, because I think the talent is for sure there. And he's an extremely young tight end with, Upside on an offense that's getting extremely young overall. In general, you know the Giants with Darius Slayton there, and now Daniel Jones is expected to take another leap. Um, you know Ingram's from before Daniel Jones's time. If him and Caden Smith hit it off, see ya. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a new, it's a new management man, and that's it at the end of the day. Like that's that's who. If that's who Daniel Jones wants, then that's who he wants. We'll see what happens, but I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got to agree with
0: you on that one. Got to agree with you on that. Yep.
1: Yeah, so for the next guy, and again, you know, these are sleeper guys, but I think some people, maybe this guy might be on their radar. I'm not really sure, but my guy is Blake Jarwin. Um, You know, He's on the Cowboys, obviously, and, you know, I think he's the biggest benefactor of the departure of Jason Witten from the Cowboys' offense. He's still only 25 years old, and I think, you know, right now kind of feels like he's primed to finally step into a starting role on that offense. He had some big plays last season. I remember he had some really big plays, and I think he's a perfect time to buy him right now. He's 6'5", 250 pounds. He's a big boy like me. I love those big boys, man. And I just think he fits – he fits like – the mold of uh, NFL tight ends today. Uh, he enters this season as a tight end three that you can get fucking for peanuts, man. Really at the end of the day, like nothing. And, you know, I think he has tight end two upside. Obviously it depends on how, you know, the Cowboys offense rolls because, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed, but I think he could have some really good weeks for you, Matt.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting to, when you put that, because even last year, an old guy like Jason Witten, who's clearly past his prime, kind of walked into that Cowboys offense that was already crowded with Gallup Cooper and Zeke and still put up a good amount of yardage, and now that you've inserted CeeDee Lamb into the situation there is no way Dak Prescott (laughs) fails Like he just can't he has way too many opportunities he's asking for way too much money and I think Blake Jarwin could be the biggest benefactor from that case you got to remember too the guy's six five, two hundred and fifty 250 pounds he is a big boy yep. like holy crap he is massive you could play him at d-line like he's built for either side of the ball it's insane really and i think if you give him the opportunity he will explode
1: yeah you. i like him a lot for sure
0: all right and now so our last sleeper here You know, a lot of guys know about him. So I don't know if you you would... The basis of Sleeper has an asterisk on this guy because he is going into a starting position, but he's a guy who's been slept on his first two years in the league, and that's Hayden Hurst. You know, he's a former first-round pick that was stuck in a... He was stuck in a cramped tight end room in Baltimore. They just had way too many mouths to feed in that room, and it was inevitable that one of them was going to get yanked. He Once Mark Andrews took off, there was never going to be room for him to showcase his ability either. But now, he joins one of the league's arguably best passing teams that made Austin Hooper look like a star. He's going to be lining up beside Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And will have a better, pure passer throwing to him than he did in Baltimore in Matt Ryan.
1: Yeah. I like Hayden Hurst a lot. Again, another guy, this whole list is guys you can get in the bargain bin and might actually end up being really good players. Um, Hurst had a lot of potential, obviously Um, rookies, uh, rookie tight ends don't always do that well, and he did have some injuries his first season. But again, Andrews and Jackson clearly had a connection from the second Jackson came on the field. I think everybody could tell right away that the two of them were boys. And once that you know connection matured even more, and Andrews went off for uh, you know his crazy numbers that he did last year, it was obvious that Hurst was coming was going out the building most likely. I'm just so happy that this was the result of him leaving. Because if you held on to Hayden Hurst, man, don't sell yet, man. You've, you've held on this long. Keep holding. Like, like steady the ship, man. You the, the reward is coming.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think Austin Hooper is one of the top five tight ends in the league. Me neither. I think, I think Atlanta made him look really really better than what he actually is. And I mean, hopefully it does the same for Hayden Hurst. Because I can promise you this, Austin Hooper most likely will be exposed in Cleveland next year. So Hurst has all the opportunity to gain, but if he messes this up, he could also be out of the league within a year. Understood. All right, so we just tapped on sleepers. When we come back, we're going to tell you our toy tens who just aren't worth the risk. You want to stay away from those toy ends as much as possible. So make sure you stick around. Okay, so we just talked about our sleeper toy ends. Guys who are probably going to explode that aren't on your radar. And now we're going to talk about guys who just aren't worth the risk. Whether it's because of age, or it's because of the team they're on, or many, many different reasons. But it's important to know there are guys out there who just aren't worth it, no matter how late they come to you. And uh, I'm going to start us out. in this one, this one is a guy missed a whole season, and everybody expects him to come back and just, you know, explode. And that's Rob Gronkowski. You know, as of today, he is now 30. He's officially on the wrong side of the age cliff.
1: It's his birthday. <laughs> I, I think it was his birthday a
0: couple days ago. I have no idea, but when doing research, it said it was thirty. I should have looked. I feel like Gronk threw a huge party that was totally against all the laws that are in place. Right
1: now.
0: <laughs> Regardless, so he's on the he's on the wrong side of the age cliff now. And in the last a couple seasons, especially, he's had trouble staying on the field. In twenty second in twenty sixteen, he only played eight games. In 2017, he only played 14. And in 2018, he only played 13. So clearly, his body is starting to fall apart on him. Now, he moves from a New England Patriots team that can literally make dog crap look like the best player on the field and is being moved to a Tampa Bay team where he's going to be competing with two of the best wide receivers in the league in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin for targets. He's going to have to learn a whole new offensive scheme and show, especially, this is important, that he's in football shape. Because there's a difference between being in shape and in football shape. Like, for example, when Joe Thomas retired and got fucking cut, like, holy crap, that guy looks great now. He's not... But even though now that he's cut, he's not in football shape. He's just in shape. And so it's going to be key to see whether Gronk is still in football shape.
1: Yeah. I think uh, I'm taking a risk on Gronk in like one or two leagues. But for the most part, I'm staying away. He's already passed the marker of anybody I want to take. Like once a guy hits 30, I try to basically ditch him. For the most part, in most dynasty leagues, um, it's just how I play. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it's, it's really up in the air. There's just so many mouths to feed. In Tampa's offense, I'd much rather have a lot of guys other than him and sell uh, Gronkowski for hype and name alone more than anything else at the end end of the day. Obviously, just having his numbers up in front of us, Jesus Christ. (laughs) He's one of the greatest tight ends of all time for a reason. Like, that's all, you know, uh, uh, 7,861 yards and 79 touchdowns. I mean, it's – it's no, it's no brainer. He's, he's a
0: first ballot hall of famer. Oh yeah, mind. for sure. However, you know, the thing is, is look at a guy like, I'm trying to think like, like a Dion Sanders, you know, you come out of retirement and you're not going to be the same player that you were beforehand, like a season like a full season away from the game is a lot of time. Mm-hmm you know so it's going to be it's going to be questionable to see how fast he rebounds granted he has his old QB throwing to him and brady but will that make up for all the time lost
1: yeah i guess only time will tell i will try to avoid him though for the most part i definitely agree uh this next guy and we actually did touch on him a little earlier but you know we're just trying to reiterate why you should stay away from him and that's evan ingram um now this might be our most controversial member on this entire uh list as far as like staying away guys because i know a lot of people who are still extremely high on ingram to say the least i mean if i can get the guy like really really cheap and i mean like dirt poor cheap then maybe i'll take a swing at him but in my opinion Uh, now is really a prime opportunity to move on from Ingram. He still has a lot of name value and he still will get you a good deal. So if you can get like a first or something like that for him in this year's draft, I would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, I think the giants, as we already mentioned, have expressed interest in moving on from Ingram. And we already mentioned Caden Smith is on the rise right now. I mean, he only played six games last season, uh, 11 the season before that, and didn't even play the whole entire season, his rookie season. So it just hasn't been in the cards for Ingram. Uh, I'm not a fan of buying him, but if you can get him dirt cheap, who knows? When he's on the field, he could be a tight end one for you, but I just think I'd rather stay away from him.
0: Yeah, with with Ingram, it's it's an interesting thing. Like We did touch on him earlier, obviously, in places of consent but I think it's it's in, it's important to know with a guy like Evan Ingram that name value makes up for a lot of what this guy brings to the table because, you know, in his rookie season, he put up 722 yards, but since then, it's only gotten worse and worse. Mm-hmm. In 2018, he put up 577, and in 2019, 467 yards. It's, he's not maturing into the tight end we all thought he was going to be. A healthy granted he's probably one of the best tight ends in fantasy but take but an injured ingram is worthless so i'm staying away from him as much as i can unless for some reason i'm in like the 20th round of a startup and evan ingram is still there i will get my paws on him but the chances of that happening are pretty much slim to none mm-hmm. all right and so we're talking about you know guys who have had problems staying on the field the guy I'm going to talk about hasn't had problems staying on the field it just seems like he's been moved around so much that it just affects his ability to play consistent ball and that's Jimmy Graham you know just like Gronk quite I touched on he's on the wrong side of the age cliffs. he's 33 now he hasn't had an 1000 yard season since 2013 but granted in his defense he has put up Double-digit TD numbers as early as 2017. I think last his last year with the Packers, he fell off the tight end map and became more of a liability than somebody you wanted to start. And I think right now, his situation in the Bears' offense isn't exactly to be a producer, but to train the guys behind him because they have so many tight ends on that team. But I think more specifically, Cole Komet.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the really the only reason why he was brought in. I think a lot of his offensive prowess has gone uh, out the window. It's a shame that 2013 Jimmy Graham is not a thing anymore because 1,200 yards and 16 touchdowns is just insanity at the tight end position. Uh, when he was in the state's offense, he truly was one of the best players in the entire league, like without a doubt. So it's a shame how far he's fallen. I know I had high hopes when he first ended up in Seattle, but – Wilson, just I don't know what happened with that. I guess they didn't, you know, see eye to eye to say the least. And Green Bay hasn't been any kinder to him. So I don't really see how downgrading as far as his offense goes and going to the shithole that is Chicago, how that will help him because <laughs> I don't. Yeah, you, I just don't see it, man.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, granted in that offense, Jimmy Graham is an upgrade over Trey Burton. Yes, and I, I, we should make that clear. Like, he is a crystal clear upgrade over Trey Burton. However, because of his age and his declining stats over the years, like in 2018, he only put up two touchdowns, and in 2019, he only had three. He's not the red zone guy he used to be. So I would not be touching him no matter where he falls in the draft.
1: Agreed. And the next one kind of is in the same boat as that, um, only he hasn't moved around nearly as much, and that's Jason Witten. We're really really um, ragging on some of the best tight ends of all time right now, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, with Witten, man, this is just a case of a guy who just should have stayed retired, man. Although he had you know, a decent season with Dallas last year, you know, 529 yards and four touchdowns. That's nothing bad, honestly, at the tight end position, especially considering his age at 37 years old. Um, his move to Oakland, I don't really understand what it's about. Uh, he enters an extremely crowded tight end room where he's firmly behind Darren Waller and will also have to fight over snaps with Foster Moreau, who's a very talented player in his own right. Uh, Oakland does a lot of head-scratching moves, but this one made very little sense for me, especially from a fantasy perspective. The only thing I could see is that Witten's a very good guy, so maybe they're worried about Waller long term. And they're going to bring in Witten as somebody who can keep him clean and keep him good. Uh, Because Waller does have a really shaky history, as I'm sure Luke knows and everybody else knows all too well, uh, with drug abuse and everything else. So maybe an older Witten who's very mature and respected will help keep him calm.
0: Yeah, you know what? It sucks for Witten that he was absolutely garbage in the the commentator booth. I think when he broke the Pro Bowl trophy in 2018 that was a sign that he had made a huge mistake granted he is a first ballot hall of famer Mm uh one one day you will see him in the hall of fame there is no doubt about that but when it comes to a guy like Witten he's way past that prime like way past You, you know you could probably get him dirt cheap but what's the point he will play one season for you and probably put up maybe 150 tight end points if it's a tight end premium league. I mean, he's got so much competition. He is really there just to be a veteran voice, but they're paying him like he's like he deserves to start, which is ludicrous in my well, mind. Well, they
1: just paid Waller too, so I don't know what they're doing with their money. They just paid everybody, man.
0: <laughs> man, the Raiders have made some questionable calls. I don't know what it is, man. Like Mayock, I know he's the type of guy who's like, Oh, I'm never gonna trade up or down for a guy. Like I'm gonna grab a guy no matter where he is. But I mean, like, even with that Rugs pick over Judy and Lamb and even like, like Rager. Like, I really don't know what they're doing in uh, Vegas. Oh my God, I kept saying Oakland, Vegas. For I have no idea what they're doing. They will not be the Vegas Knights who uh, like immediately became into came into the NHL and had success. The, this team is going to suck for the foreseeable future, in my opinion. And I don't think Jason Witten helps that. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, so we just crapped on probably three tight ends who, will, who you will see in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> when we come back, we are going to talk tight ends who are ready to take that next step. So make sure you stick around. Okay, and we're back and we are now here to talk young tight ends who are going to take the next step and mature into something a lot better than what you've already seen so Kyle why don't you get us started because I know you got a couple guys that you were extremely high on
1: yeah I got definitely a bunch of guys but just to clarify I know we already covered sleepers this is like the next level. So like the guys like Blake Jarwin and Thaddeus Moss are what these guys are currently and then like the guys like Mark Andrews are what these guys are gonna be this season, if that makes sense. Like they're they're one step above the guys that we covered before. So for my first guy I want to cover is uh Dawson Knox. And you know, I get it, he's a Bill, but I haven't really talked about the Bills that much on here. So everybody who's gonna give me hate for this is just um false to say the least. Um the big bad Dawson Knox answer this season firmly sitting on top of the Bills' depth chart as far as the tight end position goes. They brought in zero competition for him at the position. He has shown big play potential, arguably had the best uh, hit stick of last season where he absolutely destroyed multiple players on the same play, which was just hilarious, as well as his gigantic play at halftime while they were playing against the Patriots, which was like a 60-yard catch. Um, His price tag is still dirt cheap, man, and considering the new weapons in Buffalo – I just love Knox this season. I think he's in line for a huge, huge, huge boost in production.
0: Yeah, you know what? I've seen Knox go for as much as a second round pick in some leagues. He looks like he can be something special. And it's that's something they need because while well, Josh Allen can Bomb the ball down the field. They need that. And I say this word a lot, but I think it's important. A safety valve. Mm -hmm. They need a safety valve. And Dawson Knox checks all the boxes. He's big. He will dominate the middle of the field come next year. And there's no reason why him and Josh Allen don't continue the success that they started last year.
1: Agreed. And he's got long, luscious hair, man. (laughs) He's got a beautiful mane.
0: That's like some Tiger King mane stuff right there. He really does, man. (laughs) You know, the next guy we're going to talk about is a guy who, unfortunately, there's still competition ahead of him, but he has proved that that doesn't matter in his case. That's Dallas Goddard. I mean, like I said, he proved last year that even with Zach Ertz ahead of him, this guy is productive. He's on a cheaper contract than Ertz and younger, making Ertz super expendable to the Eagles' future. He was drafted in the second round in 2018, so eventually the team's going to feel inclined to give the reins over to him. And he's only 25 and has years of production ahead of him. I mean, in 2018, in his rookie season, had 334 yards as a backup. That's pretty impressive. Well, 2019 is a backup in 15 games, 58 receptions, 607 yards, five touchdowns, 10 and a half yards per catch. That is awesome. That is great stuff. That's like starting tight end numbers. And I think no matter if Ertz is there when season comes or not, Dallas Goddard is going to be at least a tight end two with potential tight end one written on him, depending on the situation with Ertz going into the season.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people are high on Dallas. I think this is probably the last offseason you can get him at a reasonable price. I know Ertz is about to expire as far as his contract goes, and he's looking for an extension. He already said he wants to be the highest paid tight in the league. I doubt the Eagles make him that. I think they're just going to move on. I think they would be stupid to bring back Ertz, honestly. It's nothing against the guy, but they got Dallas waiting in the reins, and he's 25 and he, he's ready to go, dude. Like it's time to, I get they want to do two tight end sets, but at some point the torch needs to be passed and they can take another tight end early and do something stupid like they did with drafting Jalen Hurts instead of a wide receiver or something that they desperately needed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's so interesting that you say that because when they drafted Goddard, that was right in the middle of like Hurts mania. Yeah. And that was a super questionable pick. So, you know, you make a good point with the Jalen Hurts pick. Maybe he turns into the next Dallas Goddard. Nah.
1: Oh, come on. Probably not. Oh, my God.
0: I know. That was a reach. (laughs) That was a reach. I'll admit it. But, I mean... (laughs) Maybe the Eagles know what they're doing on offense. They definitely know how to draft defense. Maybe they know what they're doing on offense.
1: I don't know about that. I think Carson Wentz is so good, man. I think they just got hurts because they're so scared that if he if Wentz gets hurt again, get, if Wentz gets <laughs> Jesus, that's a mouthful. If Wentz gets hurt again, like physically injured, not Jalen Hurts. Um, <laughs> at least Jalen Hurts will be there to step in. Jesus, that's. That's such a page to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for this next guy, man, this should not come as a shock. I swear this will be like one of the last times I talk about this guy, but I can't not bring him up again while we're talking about tight ends, man. Noah Font. Noah Font. <laughs> I, I, Jesus Christ, I love this guy so, so much, man. Over the last two seasons, there's been a tight end who's coming up each year, right? So in 2018, it was George Kittle who I predicted in 2019, it was Mark Andrews who I predicted by the way. And in 2020, my prediction <laughs> is Noah font. Hold on, Luke, don't laugh. Was I not right on George Kittle <laughs> and Mark Andrews? Come on. You were right. Magic eight. Yeah. You got right. it. Right. So let's make sure you're rolling. through Let me talk. Um, <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about big play potential, man font, has it written all over his face, man. He enters this season surrounded by talent on a very young core in Denver, but he already has an established chemistry with Drew Locke. That's the important part of this. He's not one of the new mouse in this offense. Him and Locke have already shown that the chemistry is there. I think he enters this season as a tight end, too, um, but he has tight end one upside written all over him, in my opinion, and I wouldn't be surprised if he clears 800 to 1,000 yards and gets close to 10 touchdowns. Okay, I don't know about that. Eight hundred yards—that's yeah, not uh, that crazy. That's what Mark Andrews did this year, and that's oh, for I mean a thousand. I mean a thousand yards. A
0: thousand yards is a little much, especially with the uh, amount uh, of mouths that there are to feed in Denver. But I do think that Font definitely has the potential to be something great. The guy had fourteen yards per reception, which is remarkable. For such a young tight end. I mean, he literally made the pick of TJ Hawk look stupid. But granted, you know, Iowa has shown that they're tight end you. They produced Kittle. They produced Font. They produced Hawk. I think there's no way that he just doesn't explode with Drew Locke right there.
1: Yeah. Iowa really is tight on you, man. That has to be the new thing. Just look whoever Iowa's tight end is coming out every year and just grab him because that might just be the, the new strategy at the position.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Honestly, I might do that for all my Debbie picks coming yeah. this year. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So uh, the next guy we're going to talk about, little this is a little controversial. There's uh, a little controversial. And that's Ian Thomas for the uh, Carolina Panthers. He took a pretty big step back last year, but there was a huge quarterback question mark in Carolina last year. And now that they have a kind of more solid situation going on with Teddy Bridgewater there, I think he will do a lot better. You know, they brought in a lot more solid receiving options that are around him and it should make it easier for him to get open in the middle of the field, especially because Robbie Anderson's just gonna burn people going straight down the sideline. I think that it's gonna give Teddy Bridgewater, who is a check down quarterback, a perfect check down option, considering his lack of arm strength. And you know, the thing is, is he's been in the league for two years now. He's only 23. He is literally the only realistic tight end option in Carolina. And there should be nothing stopping him from having a bounce back year. I mean, granted, in 16 games, he only had 136 yards on 16 receptions. But that was mostly because he was responsible for blocking because Christian McCaffrey was right behind him. But I think now that they've brought in all these receivers and Moore had a 1,000-yard season, the passing game is going to get a lot better. And I think Ian Thomas is going to be a huge contributor of that.
1: Yeah, I definitely like him a lot. Um for the most part, as far as the season goes, especially because Bridgewater's there. It's actually funny. If they had a more talented quarterback coming in with a better arm, I would not be buying into Ian Thomas. But it's exactly like you said. Teddy can only throw about 20 yards. So somebody like Ian Thomas should have a really good season. And that's really it at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, it just sucks. He has such a bland fucking name.
1: (laughs) He really does have a bland name.
0: Like, could you imagine the, like a, like a, caster like a you know you're a commentator and go oh my god ian thomas (laughs) like just doesn't doesn't sound right no any anyways so when we come back we're bringing on special guest captain kurt and he's going to talk to us about his tight ends guys he loves all that stuff so make sure you stick around
1: This next guest is another very good friend of mine, a guy named Kurt Romano, another poor soul and another Jets fan. Kurt, how you doing today?
2: Not too bad, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, man, we're happy to have you on, man. For real, man. How are your Jets doing this season? You going to be good or what?
2: That's not really up to me, man. It's up to Gase. I, hope, <laughs> man. I just, I just hope, man. If, there's not, if we do suck, there's no excuse, like the COVID nineteen or some other crap. But still, Gase stays another year. I just hope if we suck, we just start fresh again.
0: All right. I think you just came up with an excuse for when they go, uh, when they go zero and sixteen. <laughs> Dude, the schedule we have—it's not easy. Hey, you know what? As long as uh, as long as Sam Darnold doesn't, you know, go to some like freshman party or whatever and get mono again, you guys should be fine. You guys should be fine. All right, so let's get into it, Kurt. So uh, my first question for you, buddy, is: There's been two tight ends in the league who have, and in fantasy, who have arguably been the most dominant tight ends in the last five to six years, almost a decade, really, and that's Kelsey and Gronk. So I'm looking for your opinion on the two, and if you could go back in time, who are you picking? You know, between the two guys,
2: it's not even close to me. It's got to be Gronkowski. No. Like, oh, I mean, they looked at their stats. They both, uh, Gronk played 115 games and has about like a little over seven thousand yards or, like receiving. Kelsey's played about, I think nine, got like six thousand four hundred. But the big difference between the two, Gronk has 79 touchdowns, while Kelsey only has 37. So, For for tight ends, the big difference between them and receivers is height, and they should be big end zone threats.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair argument because Gronk is such a freak of nature, and I would agree with you. If I could take health out of the picture, I'd probably take Gronk any day of the week. But that's my one thing. Kelsey has been the pinnacle of health throughout his career. So that's my only detractment, which would be like, oh, maybe I would take Kelsey.
0: I just had to knock on wood there when you said that. I I know, <laughs> A couple of Kelsey shares there freaking just asking for him to get injured. But you know what? I think, and this one might be, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Gronk. Won a lot of Super Bowls. Guys going to the Hall of Fame. But I'm actually picking Kelsey over Gronk. If, wow. if you look at his stats since coming to the league, in 2013 he only played one game and then didn't play again. So you can't really count that. But from 2014 to 2019, he basically carried the receiving game for the Chiefs whether the quarterback was Alex Smith who is arguably underrated or Patrick Mahomes who's arguably the future of the league. He's the lowest amount of yards he's ever had in his career is 862. He's played in almost every single game since twenty fourteen except for one in twenty seventeen. I think the guy if if I'm making the case, I'm picking Kelsey just because of how easy it is for him to stay on the field and just the numbers the guy puts on when he is on the field.
2: If you look at the other part for tight ends though, he they both are top of the line blocking tight ends, but I think Gronk was on a whole nother level. It's like he was very, I honestly would take him over any one of the Jets O line last year. The block. He was on a whole nother level and he, I think that's what separated him from all the other tight ends.
0: To be to be fair though, I could probably go into a corner store, pick out a fat kid buying a chocolate bar, and put Jets gear on him and he would still be better than all the
1: guys you started last year. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no, I, I could be a pretty good tight end on the Jets, I think. <laughs>
0: You know what, better than some of the guys they signed, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Jets tight ends right now were a little iffy. I mean, I think Hurden's still an elite talent, but it's just if you can stay on the field whether it be injuries or him drunk driving, that's that's why I think they signed Griffin. I mean, him and Sam had a small connection by the end of the year, so they needed that backup guy in there. So, I mean, that's a good point that you just raised there. So,
0: Griffin versus Hurden, you know, Hurden obviously didn't have a great season last year, either just couldn't stay healthy, poor decisions, whatever you want to call it. And Griffin kind of picked up the slack towards the end of the season. So where are you looking at your team's tight end situation right now? If you had to pick
2: one guy, you know, who are you rolling with going for the next two years? It's definitely got to be Herden. We've seen Griffin's ceiling. I think last year is probably the best we're ever going to see out of him. He was just a, mostly a big touchdown guy for us, which is good. But Herden I know, could elevate Sam Darnold's game another level. He's an athletic freak. He can run routes. He's got great hands. We saw it in his rookie campaign that he. we thought he was going to be the next guy up. A lot of people thought he could be a top-ten tight end in this league. That's unfortunately last year. Just the whole Jets organization. No one could stay on the field. Just bad decision making, like you said. But I definitely wouldn't put Griffin over him. I really hope that they don't have a they don't share snaps. I do want to see Herdman on the field more. I
1: agree with you, man. I think with. Griffin, if I can make a comparison to another situation, the Texans have a similar situation in their room. And again, they have a guy like Darren Fells. You kind of know what he is, but he's a great touchdown receiver. Uh, you know, he gets the job done, but you know what his ceiling is. But they also have another talent on their team. Um, what's his name? Oh, my God. Uh, Atkins? Was nah, not even Atkins. Uh, Thomas. I can't think of it. Jordan Thomas. Oh, my God. That just made me brain feel really slow. Um, but I'd rather see what he has – because we haven't really seen all of this hype. And I think that's the same thing goes for Herndon. I'd rather see what Herndon can bring to the table because I think we know what Griffin is and it's like, eh, you know what I mean? It's not bad, but it's, it's not good. I mean, it's just right in the middle, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, for this next part, uh, we r- really thought about this one. So we talked about sleepers already on the podcast, but we were on to make it a little more of a broad question. Who do you think in your mind has been the most slept on tight end over the last 20 years since like, you know, the 21st century has come around before?
2: Oh, oh Jesus. That's a long time. Uh, well, a lot of the ends already have a long life in the NFL, mm-hmm. especially in fantasy. But I think a guy that gets slept on a lot is Jack Doyle. Oh, This year could be his year. I really, truly believe that. For where you can get him in any draft He's worth the money. He should ha- be seeing 100 targets. I mean, you know Rivers loves tight ends, and the receiving core is a little iffy, very injury-prone. So I think with Ebron gone, Doyle's going to see a lot more snaps. The only problem is, is himself, and if he can stay on the field, I know he's going to be a top tight end this league.
1: I like that take a lot. Luke, what about you, man? Who's your most slept-on tight end? Well, in my opinion – I am going with the tall,
0: muscular, white guy, and I'm saying Greg Olson. Ooh. I, I think Greg Olson has been slept on a lot. I think in Chicago, he had some ups, he had some downs, but when he got traded to Carolina in 2011, it's like a flip switched in the back of his mind, and he's like, all right, I'm just going to carry Cam Newton, and I'm going to make this guy look phenomenal, and we're just going to go for a show. I mean, besides 2017, where he only played in seven games and only had about 200 yards... The guy was the epitome of consistent. I mean, from 2012 to 2015, the lowest amount of yards he had was 816. The highest amount he had was 1,100. And he was just a tight end machine. I think between that time period, you could say that Carolina's best receiver was Greg Olson. And I think that him playing... For the uh, Seahawks going forward is a huge win for him because I think Russell Wilson's going to make him look phenomenal
2: in the one year that he'll be playing.
1: I think he's, little, I think he's a little old, but you know, Kurt, you go. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, he is a little older, but I know you're a Seahawks man, I, and I know you guys have three tight ends. And I know Disley got hurt last year. Is he going to be the starter? Or you think Olsen's just going to come in and take that one position role?
0: Okay, so Disley's an interesting situation. So he's 23. He has shown flashes of, you know, tight end, starting tight end, like starting tight end talent. But I think that because of his injury risks, it's really good to have Greg Olson come in, not just because it gives them a safety valve if something were to happen to Disley, but also because he's going to teach Disley. Disley's going to learn a lot. But I think just because of who Greg Olson is, and even last year in 14 games, putting almost 600 yards on the board, I really do think that he's going to come in and just start for that team just because they are in win-now mode, and having the best player on the field is what's most important. And let Disley sit, develop, and he'll come in 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 two seasons from now and just be lights-out, gangbusters, ghostbusters shit. That's what I'm
1: calling it. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. For my guy, most slept on tight end. And I feel like this guy just keeps plugging along and nobody ever wants him and you In uh, drafts, but yet he seems to just keep doing well, and that's Jared Cook, man. This guy just seems to not quit. He had another fantastic year: seven hundred yards and nine touchdowns at thirty-two years old, man. And he's been traded around in the league like he's he doesn't matter, man. It's actually sad when you think about. He went from Tennessee to St. Louis to Green Bay to Oakland, and now he's um, Jesus. Now he's with the Rams. I mean, wait, who's he with? The the Saints. The the Saints. Saints. Sorry, I apologize. Um, but that's like that's literally been him, though. He's been all over the place, and yet the entire time, he's averaged, for the most part, over 500 yards and five-plus touchdowns. I don't think he's one of the best tight ends in the league, but I definitely think people don't give him enough credit.
0: I think it's interesting. I think he's a super interesting player. I think that he's had a couple seasons where he's looked like that tight end one everybody thought he was going to be, but I think he's also had a couple seasons where he's looked – absolutely oh, useless and a shell of what he should be. So I think he's definitely been slept on, but I I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, I think if anybody's going to make him look good, it's going to be Drew Brees. So I think it's only, it's, it's a thing where only time can tell. And I guess he's 33. So he might have a couple more years of productivity in him. You just never yeah. know.
2: Yeah. you think uh, Sanders is going to take away some of those receptions?
1: Uh, not really because My thing is, if anything, Michael Thomas doesn't have a billion catches again this season. Um, I think maybe he comes down to a more reasonable number in the the lower hundreds or something like that, as opposed to what he just did. Uh, Because the Saints didn't really have a wide receiver, two on their team. Uh, Traquan Smith, as much as I wanted him to be the answer on that team, is not it. And it's very depressing to say that, because I know me and Luke both thought he was going to be the number two on that roster.
0: (laughs) Oh man, don't give me so Smith. <laughs> what a tool. What a tool. But uh, so we just talked about, you know, like, oh, you know, slept on tight ends. Who do you think is the most overhyped tight end right now?
2: That's got to be Hooper. I definitely think it's Hooper. On the- That's
1: me clapping. Great pick. Continue.
2: <laughs> I mean, Pretty good if I landed before last season. I, he came out of nowhere, it just came out of nowhere. He had never done that before, and now you're telling me he's gonna be put to a whole new team, whole new offensive coordinator with a, another competitive tight end, Joku, there with Odell Landry, Hunt, Chubb. There's just too many mouths to feed you. I don't think he's gonna put up near to what he did last year. And for people who are drafting him, just I feel like you can get a lot of other talent.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting. The Hoopinator is not the guy that uh, I, I, I don't think he's the guy that Cleveland's hoping that they're getting, especially after paying him so much. I, I think Najoku, who's still so young and is still so talented, will definitely give him a run for his money. And, I—I you know, I, I agree with you on that when I think he's all hype because I think Atlanta's – one of, if not the best passing offenses in the league, regardless of, you know, how their season turned out. And I think they just make anybody who kind of rolls with them look really good. Regard Besides Julio Jones, because he is a transcendent talent. But I think especially in the case of Austin Hooper, I think they just made him look a lot better than he actually is.
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that take as well. I mean, with Austin Hooper, we actually talked about, and this is one of our sleepers that we talked about earlier. We talked about how Hayden Hurst should fill in nicely in that void. What do you think of him this season, Kurt?
2: I mean, I want to believe in him. I'm, I remember when uh, Baltimore drafted him, I was a little weird because I thought everyone thought he was going playing baseball. You know, suddenly he's going for the NFL. But he really, I mean – he really hasn't done anything. It makes me a little nervous because like Mark Andrews and Boyle did well in that, their system, but he has never did anything. So I don't know if he's going to fit in well. We'll have to see. I, I really, I think it's a 50, 50 shot. I, you know, he's got the talent and just, we'll see, see if Matt Ryan looks his way.
1: Yeah. I think that's a fair point as far as for our next one. So, there's a whole bunch of tight end situations out there um, that are stacked, to say the least. Um, I won't name any teams, but I'm sure you could think of a few. Uh, who's your favorite one? Who's got the best tight end room in the entire
2: league? You mean uh, an? RPG? No, no, no. The
1: best tight end room in like <laughs> out of any franchise. Like, who's who's tight end room do you oh, want if you it. were if you had a franchise?
2: probably would be So I think Boyle and Andrews are a really good combo of each other. Boyle is really underrated, and if Mark Andrews ever goes down, he's probably one of the guys I'd love to have on my team. I, I, when I watch the games, he makes he can do everything. He can block. He can get separation. He doesn't drop the ball. And, you know, Mark Andrews is still a freak of nature who is just perfect with Lamar Jackson. He's just a great deep threat and a guy who just gets like 100 receptions easily.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's a that's a super obvious one because Mark Andrews is Mark Andrews. I mean, like the guy's a basically tight end genius. But you know, my opinion is I'm I like I, I already crapped on Gronk earlier in this podcast, but I'm taking Tampa Bay's tight end room. Cause I think Tampa Bay you know, sometimes it's good to just have so much depth. And besides Gronk, they're also rocking O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Like there's just so much tight end talent in that room that they don't need to worry about injuries if Gronk were to go down for a couple of games because there's guys who are just going to come in and pick up the slack almost instantly. And I think it is the most interesting and the most favorable tight end room in the aspect of the NFL. However, if you're a fantasy owner, it sucks because you probably don't know who to draft. I wouldn't I wouldn't touch that tight end room with a 10-foot pole. But if I'm in the GM which I hope I never am because I don't know if I can deal with that (laughs) scrutiny. I'm, I'm just, I'm so, so happy to be.
1: I like Tampa and I like Baltimore, but I really appreciate you guys giving me the legit best tight end room in the entire league, because the fact that neither of you chose Philly is just out. It's just mind blowing in my opinion. (laughs)
2: Yeah, oh, I was the so Philadelphia
1: excited. Eagles have the best tight end room in the league. Dude, look, you just talked up Dallas Goddard, man. He's basically a tight end one who's trapped as a tight end two, only because Zach Ertz is Zach Ertz. If you want one room in the entire league, I want Ertz and Goddard, man. I just think that room is crazy. Both of them are the full package. Blocking, catching, hands, height, talent. I'll take that all day.
2: Yeah, like a big thing from Guard this year. Yeah,
1: he's definitely somebody that we highlighted too. As somebody, I think will take the next step because I know Ertz is on an expiring deal. He wants to get paid big money, so that actually that tight end room. This might be it. This might be the last year of that tight end room because I could see the Eagles moving on from Ertz um, as far as this the end of the season goes. Um, for this next question, um, you know we talked about a bunch of tight ends on the show already, so you might repeat somebody who we said. But who's your favorite tight end uh, from the draft? And why why do you like the guy so much?
2: Hmm. Yes, the rookie, rookie draft? draft. Okay, so I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> I, the last
1: name. It's Devin the, the the one they got from uh, the Patriots. Oh, Azai or whatever. Az- oh, my God. Uh, Devin. <laughs> no, it's A-S-I-A-S-I. A- A- S- I. azazi I think it is. Devin, right?
2: Yeah, that's the guy. So I know I don't really watch a lot of college football. Usually when the draft comes, I'll, like when I will like, look at all the highlights, and I was looking at this guy's highlights, and it seems like he's a full package as well. And with Bill Belichick, I can see this guy, you know, with Gronkowski. I think this guy can make that next step, especially with a quarterback that's probably going to be afraid to go deep and want to have that guy to throw the ball quick passes to. So this guy has potential to, you know, get around like 80 receptions, and hopefully he could be a good red zone target for the young quarterback.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good point. I, I want to segue this into uh, we're talking boom or bust. So let's. I want to segue this a bit. Um, Kurt, I don't know your success success rate with uh, successful long term relationships, <laughs> but but I had a gift card and I didn't know what to do with the gift card, so I bought me and the lady matching Crocs. Do you think that's a boom
2: pick or a bust pick? I would say it's a boom. I think any you can make you can really buy anything matching, and I think girls would like it.
0: So, so the Crocs were a good addition. Then, is that what you're saying? I, I, I like, I, I boomed on the Crocs. Is what you're saying? There oh, you go. Boom. Perfect. Perfect. Because I, I, uh, I wasn't sure, man. I wasn't sure. But Post Malone likes Crocs, so I mean, white girls <laughs> everywhere <gotta laughs> like Crocs too, right?
1: Uh, Luke, are you gonna talk up Kemp anymore? I know you. I know he's your favorite rookie tight end from the draft. Shit. Yeah, I love Cole Kmet. I love him, I love him, I love him.
0: Like it's one thing just because I'm a huge fan of the spelling of his last name. Let's get that first and foremost. What an interesting last name of only four letters. You know, you couldn't get any better than that. But also I'm I like I loved him in uh in Notre Dame. He had eight hundred yards or something ridiculous. I think he was the best tight end to come off the board. I think he got so 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 lucky that he was paired. With Jimmy Graham, who's just gonna make him look phenomenal coming down the road. I think that there's no stopping him once he gets starting. And I think that he's just gonna, he will make Mitch Trubisky, if he's still on the team
1: look like something. Yeah, legit. well, uh, who knows what's going to happen there because I could seriously see Foles winning that starting job. That's a whole nother mess I don't want to open up right now. For me, I already touched on a little bit earlier, but Thaddeus Moss, is one of my favorite rookie tight ends coming out of this draft. I just think his landing spot in Washington is so ideal and opportunity is king, as we've talked about on the show many, many times. Um, before we wrap things up, just because we only got a couple minutes here, Kurt, I just got another question for you. Tight end one, who is it and why?
2: It's got Kittle for me. <laughs> I mean, crossing Kittle's are right there. It's probably one A and one B, but I would give it to Kittle just because there's not too many other uh, weapons on that team that are established themselves yet. You know, Mozart, I, I we have no idea if their run game is going to be good or not. But I and I think Debo Samuel is great, but they don't really have a wide receiver too. So I think Kittle is going to be seeing a ton of receptions and a lot of looks here. if he stays healthy. I think he can easily the wide uh, tight end one.
1: Yeah, I like that take because also, you know, Miko Harmon's taken another step forward this season. So I think that might take uh, away from Kelsey's snaps. Luke, you want to add to that? I mean, I love Kelsey. I've loved him since he had that dating
0: show on the E Network. I don't know why. He's a damn good looking guy, man. He's
1: up there with the best looking guys in the league. (laughs)
0: He is, and you know, I'm going to say this really quick. I think Jason Kelsey, his brother, is the best looking offensive Oh, there you I'm go. That's a hot league. take. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hot take. He's just, you know, what he has? He's he's those pinchable cheeks. I just <laughs> want to pinch him, you know. But um, but yeah, I I think that like I think it's it's hard to gather because if you're in win now mode, both guys are going to do it for you. But there's a. A, a surefire thing with Patrick Mahomes throwing to Kelsey, whereas Garoppolo's either going to overthrow, underthrow, or just throw a pick. <laughs> you know, so I, I I think that either way you're going to be okay. But I, if I'm in win now mode and I don't really care about the three to four year age gap between the two guys, I'm probably going to lean closer to Kelsey than Kittle.
1: Yeah, I think you can't go wrong with either. I'll throw a little curveball out there just to be a little different. I actually –
2: No, 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 I'm not going to say no fun. As
1: much as I love the guy, he's not going to be the top tight end in fantasy. (laughs) I know that. But one guy who does have that potential and is an offense that should take the next step and allow him to take off with that. Is Mark Andrews the recently departed Hayden Hurst opens up even more targets for the guy. I think Lamar, the the best running back in the league, uh, might you know be able to utilize Mark Andrews even more. I could see him easily finishing as the number one. I know he's my uh, tight end three right now, so it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, yeah. who knows? Who knows? I mean, like, as it. hopefully we get a season and then we'll be able to decide. Kyle thinks he's the tight end whisperer. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure Kyle goes for all sorts of tight ends <laughs> when he gets the opportunities to.
1: <laughs> but uh, who knows?
0: Maybe Kyle's right. Yeah, um, that's is.
1: about almost, you know, wrapping things up. But anything else you want to say, Kurt, before we get off the pod?
2: Yeah. Uh, Ooh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah. Alright. One who should be your backup if you're an Ingram motor. I think Caden Smith showed a lot of potential at the end of the year last year. And I definitely recommend taking him late in the rounds. No one's going to touch him. Because if Ingram goes down with concussion which he might. I hope he doesn't but you know he's been pretty injury prone. I highly recommend having this guy on your bench. He showed a lot of promise. I think Jones and him had a very strong connection at the end of the year, so I definitely recommend having him as your backup.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean me, Kyle and I were talking about him earlier. I don't know if you heard Kyle just clapping <laughs> his cheeks right there in excitement when you mentioned his name, but uh, I, I'm, I'm a huge Caden Smith believer. I think that uh, Ingram's time is close to done and I think Caden Smith is going to come in and be, uh, and be a super reliable tight end for anybody who needs him.
2: Yeah, yeah man, I, I like your early. draft
1: so far in that league. Definitely proud of you, my man. Um, that's about wraps up our time. Kurt, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I hope you had some fun with it. Of course, man. Him, man.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Anytime, buddy.
0: Anytime. You're always welcome. Make sure you guys stick around for some closing remarks. All right, and welcome back. want to give a sh- huge shout-out and thank you to Kurt for the podcast. We really loved having him on. I always love a chance to crap on New York City sports teams. So, huge thank you for, Kurt, for tolerating that. Kyle, you got anything to say?
1: No, things are coming along. Uh, You know, Episode 8 just wrapped up, which is awesome. And, you know, Episode 7 is apparently the hump for podcasts. So, I'm just happy that we're over that. And we got a fun summer plan. So, just stick around.
0: Yep, man, I love my humps, that's for sure. My lovely baby <laughs> humps, check them out. But uh, yeah, a huge thank you to Kurt again. Thanks for Kyle for sticking around with me. I appreciate it, buddy. I'll, I'll get you around uh, eventually.
1: I <laughs> uh, appreciate you too. <laughs> and
0: uh, I just want to give a huge shout out to all the frontline workers. I know we did it earlier, but I got to give another huge shout out. You know, world's starting to look a little bit normal as we progress. And, uh, you know, I know my cousin, Kyle's brother, Connor is uh, working as a nurse in the hospital, putting in the hours, the grueling hours. And uh, we really just want to say thank you to everybody who's really putting in the effort to make the world a better place.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks, Connor, again, and thanks everybody for listening.
0: Yep. Thank you, guys. Make sure you tune into episode nine.
1: Peace. Peace.